powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to Game Over Ottawa. Unfortunately, we are discussing another Senator's loss, although it's not unfortunate for my guest here tonight, J.D. Young. How are you doing tonight, J.D.? Uh, I'm doing pretty good uh, after that that game, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a rough one for the Sens, but it'll be interesting to hear your perspective as a Sharks fan kind of on the other end of things. Very glad to have you on tonight. Yeah, thanks for, for having me on. I'm, I'm super excited to jump on. All right. And now before we get into a recap of tonight's game, just got to shout out our sponsor, Sports Interaction. You think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's the World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus only, please play responsibly. Uh, speaking of betting, I don't think uh, that anyone is going to be making very much money betting on the Sens lately. It's just another rough performance for them here tonight. Um, it's a bit of a weird dynamic, I guess, having on for the first time someone from the opposing team's fan base because I watched that game and I'm just left thinking, wow, the Sens really just stunk up the joint tonight. Uh, but maybe it's a bit of a different perspective for from you. Like, how did you feel how that game went from a Sharks perspective over, overall, really? I mean, if you if, looking at the first period, I think the first period and the second period are two different stories, right? Because the first period, the Sens completely dominated that first period. Sharks had three shots on goal after the first 20 minutes. And while the score was one to one, it was definitely it felt like the Sens were kind of on their way to start to figure things out. And then the second period happened and Eric Carlson decided to just be like, I'm going to be the best player out here. And there's nothing that you can do about it. And the Sharks really kind of put the pedal to the metal. They had 21 shots on goal in the second period, uh, six of them from Carlson alone. And yeah, you can tell like Carlson's been like this all season long where he just goes out and he's, I'm going to be the best player on the ice. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it. And when he's in that kind of feeling it, and we saw him do it again in the second period, there's not many people who can stop him right now. And, you know, I, I think for the sense though, it, it's gotta be a little disappointing because you probably circled this game and was like, this is a very winnable game. And I know for, I thought the sense were going to win this game too, just because of the way the sharks played last game. Um, very just could not find any offense um, last game against, uh, against the Rangers. But again, just Eric, Eric Carlson's just like, I'm going to be the best player and there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah, he he sort of took over in that second period there and really uh, really shifted momentum his team's way. It's just such a special ability he has to just take over games like that. Uh, yeah, like you said, the first period was very good for the Senators, I thought, despite uh, just coming out of it with a 1-1 tie. Like you said, the shots were heavily in their favor, but this has kind of been a trend with the Sens a lot so far this year is they have long stretches of play where they will carry the play five on five and uh, dominate the scoring chances and the shot clock 
shot clock, but then it doesn't really translate to the scoreboard. Like there was a previous game against the Canucks where the Sens had something like 33 shots after two periods and they were down, I think, or no, I think they were tied 2-2 at the end of the third and they just ended up completely blowing that game in the third period. It just seems to be a trend with this team where even when they play well, they just don't score and they can't seem to really mm. like, you know what's the word like they can't really seem to put the foot on the neck of their opponent and just like get a, a solid lead going like the first shot going in tonight is was just really rough to see after a pretty good start and then it just it just doesn't seem like the Sens have that killer instinct yeah it, it you could definitely tell with them where it's they yeah they don't have that finishing right where it's a lot of good quality chances but they're just kind of unable to finish and that's probably you know, something to do, you know, maybe with, since they have so many young guys, I know they have like Claude Drew and, you know, Kachuk's been around for a little bit, but you know, with those young guys, it takes a little bit to kind of learn that kind of killer instinct, right. Of like, okay, this is how you put away a team and, and stuff. And, you know, I know the Sens going into the season, a lot of people predicted them to be a potential playoff team. And I know they've been dealing with a rash of injuries, you know, especially with Josh Norris and Shabbat not there. And, you know, those are two of their arguably what five best players. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, but I think it's it's probably a bit of a learning experience for, for some of these young guys of like, okay, this is how you finish a team. And while the Sharks are not a very good team, they do have a lot of those veteran guys who've kind of been around and, you know, look at like Hurdle and Couture and, and Timo Meyer and Carlson who know like, okay, this is how you play winning hockey. And while the rest of the team is not great, um, those those kind of three or four guys right now are, are kind of dragging the Sharks to be a somewhat relevant team, especially compared to a lot of expectations heading into the season for them. But I think with, with, with the Sens though, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, you sometimes these, these guys, they have to learn how to win. And you wonder if that may be something you might to look at a coaching change, or if it's just maybe a natural process. And by the end of the season, these games that, you know, you're winning or you're tied after one, and then you can start kind of building on leads and kind of figuring out how to play that winning hockey at, at the end of the, the game. Yeah, that's, I thought that's a great point about how even though neither of these teams are doing great in the standings right now, the Sharks do have uh, much better veteran experience at the top of their lineup, like you said, in terms of the leadership and just their top players, you know, having been there before. Uh, like those guys, Couture, Hurdle, and Meyer, and obviously Eric Carlson, you know, it's just, I, I wish we had more of that kind of player on the Sens. Obviously getting Claude Giroux was a huge step, but he's kind of the only guy, like, we brought in Debrinket as well, but he hasn't really been on too many winning teams because Chicago was kind of on the downswing when he yeah. made it into the league. So I feel like that was just an advantage for, for the Sharks tonight uh, in terms of those uh, veteran guys being able to lead the way. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's like when things start to go sideways, who do you look to to kind of like make a play type of situation? I know it's kind of a cliche thing, but like, you know, you can't have just a bunch of children running around and kind of, you know, expect them to kind of be like, oh, this is how you win games type of thing. And, you know, I think there is some value to having those guys who've kind of been there and done that for a while. And like you said, with, you know, Couture, Hurdle, Meyer, those guys were part of that core that went, you know, made a, a Stanley Cup run back in 2016. And then, you know, were made it to the Western Conference Finals in 2019. And I still say if Carlson doesn't tear his groin, I think the Sharks are winning that, that the, the cup that year. But, you know, it, it's... I know this team, they they have they're kind of an actually 
veteran team for as bad as they are. You know, you have like guys like Matt Nieto and Nick Benino and, you know, Nico Sturm, who didn't play tonight, but you have like kind of a lot of these veteran guys and they're kind of just holding on the fort until their young guys are ready to jump in. But again, you know, it's always that like, okay, we want the young guys to play, but you still want to have like adults on the ice. That way, again, when stuff happens and you're not kind of saying that culture of just like, Oh, we lost. Okay. Let's move on to the next game. So I wonder with the Sens if, one, getting their health, their players back healthy, but two, if maybe getting someone, I'm not saying like a Nick Benino, but someone who's kind of been there and done that and kind of can set the tone in the locker room might go a long way for this team. Yeah, I, I think so. You could have Nick Benino if you like. <laughs> I can, yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh. What's his contract looking like? Uh, it's not much. He's on the last year of his deal. It's like $2 million. So mm. yeah, um, he has one assist so far this year so but you know definitely good locker room guy good locker room guy (laughs) yeah maybe maybe if the sends were in more of a a buyer's position maybe that would be a possibility but i think i think for now we would have to pass on that uh (laughs) on that opportunity uh but yeah yeah just those veteran guys like even in the bottom of the lineup the sends don't have that as much like I remember in the last couple seasons, one thing that I was really worried about happening with the Sens was that they were kind of just throwing their younger players and prospects into the top of the lineup, like right away. And mm-hmm. in terms of like their personal production and growth, uh, it hasn't uh, it hasn't been too bad. It's not like we stunted any players' growth by doing that, I don't think. But it kind of worries me if like maybe this might turn into a bit of a early 2010s Edmonton Oilers situation, you know, before Connor McDavid, where they had Taylor Hall, Nugent Hopkins, uh, all those guys like Eberle as those top picks. And it was just those young guys trying to lead the team with like no veteran help at all. And like the Sens do have some veterans, but like, like I said earlier, only Giroux is really the like actual big contributor in terms of veteran And he's been there the for team. what, like, Two months now. Yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So how much can you really affect in two months in terms of the leadership? Like, I'm sure he's trying his hardest, but and we we, we want to like be able to talk up his leadership. But it's 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 hard to have an impact that quickly, especially coming in and you've got like a younger captain and Brady Kachuk, too. And you're not the guy anymore as Claude Giroux. It's uh, mm. maybe it's a, a bit of a different situation for him. But but yeah, it's just just kind of him as the only real veteran there and then it's just a bunch of kids that they don't seem to really be able to figure it out lately and it's tough because it's a big debate uh amongst the fan base right now whether or not we should hold on to dj smith as the coach and Mm -hmm. it's tough to say when you have such a young team like this i feel like a like really experienced coach should be able to get more out of this group despite the lack of veteran presence but I don't know. It's just a really tough call. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the sharks went through their own coaching change this off season and, you know, and it's not like getting a coach in there kind of just magically changes it. I mean, you saw, you, you do have that, you know, Bruce Pedro jumped in with the Canucks last year and that team was, you know, night and day better. I know he's had a bit of a rough start the Canucks this, this season, but you never know with that type of thing. Uh, and, you know, like the Sharks, they hired David Quinn. And it's been a kind of a slow process. But over kind of after that first 10 games, you've kind of seen his system kind of come into place, right? You've seen Eric Carlson playing just lights out all season. Um, some of the guys are kind of figuring out their power play has been improving. But, you know, that, that stuff does take a little bit to gel. And especially for the Sharks where they added so many new pieces, right? That, that was kind of uh, my career, general manager, my career's 
mission this offseason was to kind of protect, you know, protect the the, the prospects, right? You know, the, the Sharks, they have William Eklund, who's a very heralded prospect. You know, Thomas Bordalo, you've got a bunch of guys from this 2020 draft class who are playing the AHL right now. But he went out and he added a bunch of guys like Luke Cunning and, and Nico Sturm and, you know, a bunch of the Oscar Lindblom. NHL guys who, I mean, they're not, you're not going to go home, like write home about, oh, wow, these guys are great. But they're going to come in. They know exactly what they're doing, right? And it kind of protects your young guys from being thrown into the fray too early. And that, that was something that was a problem with the Sharks for a long time because when you're trying to win cups, you know, or you're you're play, contending for playoffs, you're, you don't have the cap space to go out and try to like fill a fourth line. You got to try to, and especially when you have Burns, Carlson, and Vlasic all making over $7 million, like you just don't have the cap space to try to kind of fill in those. So a lot of the times they were asking these young guys to kind of come in and be like, hey, I need, you know, Daniel, you're taken. I need you to come in and play second winger because we don't have anybody else and daniel you're taken is now who knows where daniel you're taking it just got, kind of gets chewed out and I, I know chewed up and kind of spit out through the system and and the the sense have a much better prospect pool than what the sharks did you know three four or five years ago um but you do kind of worry about that where it's like sometimes you know yes they're putting up points but are they kind of setting those you know that, that cliche like the bad culture or the bad you know habits and stuff and it's like yeah you're scoring goals but like are you developing your game elsewhere? And I think that's where having some of those veterans in the locker room can, can, can kind of help you with that. Yeah, I think so too. Like uh, I remember seeing William Eklund like in the preseason, I think it was this year and he looked really good. So I was a little bit surprised uh, that he isn't on this team already. Yeah. Soon I'm counting down the days, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's playing well with the Barracuda, you know, the Sharks AHL affiliate and, you know, he's, he's gotten goals in the past, like two or three games and he's multi-point, like you're starting to see it and he's learning to do all that other stuff. And, you know, that kind of keeps you from getting benched, right? It's, if you're not, especially for prospects, if you're not scoring, what can you do for me? And, you know, he's, he's been playing like penalty kill and all that fun stuff. And, but so you wonder though, with, with the sense, if that might be one of those things where it's like, you know, they got a lot of shiny new toys, right? You got, you traded for Alex to it and you, you know, you have Josh Norris when he gets back, like he can score and, you know, shoot. I think it's, it's awesome. And I'm jealous. I don't get to watch him uh, play in San Jose. That would be really cool. But um, you know, it's, it's like who, when these guys, when things kind of go bad or like they're, they're kind of struggling and like right now the team's struggling, who can you kind of turn to, to be like, okay, what, what should we do? Or how do we kind of rate the ship? Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, some of the Sens' top guys, like, did spend some time uh, in the minors in Belleville. Like, Josh Norris played a full season down there. I think yep. Drake, Drake Batson played, a, I think, parts of two seasons down there. But then the thing is, when they come up to the NHL team, they're, like, on the top line right away. <laughs> like, Norris's rookie season, he was... Uh, the first line right away was Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson, I think. And Batherson had played like less than 30 NHL games at that point. That was the top line that year in the in the shortened season in the mm. Canadian division. And then you see it with Jake Sanderson too, as amazing as he's been. He's been one of those guys that it seems like he can handle the pressure no matter what. But <clears throat> he's already playing like 25 minutes a night. And oh boy, <laughs> part, part of that is with yeah. uh, with the Shabbat injury. But even yeah, before course, yeah. the Shabbat injury, uh, you know, with... Shabbat necessarily not necessarily in the best form all the time where you're still kind of already relying on Sanderson and it's a lot to ask of a guy to come in and even just anchor a second pairing in the NHL you know without like a super strong partner in Travis Hamanick um 
you know, it's just, like you said, the Sharks having those signings like Kunin and Sturm, guys like that who can just sort of fill out your lineup. And, you know, as a as a team that's not competing, you can probably get some good draft picks for those guys at the deadline too. That's one thing I worry about with the Sens sucking this year is like, who, who the hell are we going to trade at the trade deadline? Like, unless uh, Alex Dabrinka decides he doesn't want to sign here, like that's really the only the only guy who's worth anything that's, uh, you know, expiring. So it might be a little bit of a tough situation for Pierre Dorian to, you know, salvage some assets this season. But I think the Sharks have set themselves up pretty good for that. Yeah, I mean, my one worry is now that they might like start winning a couple too many games here and kind of yeah. move themselves out of a top five pick, and that's that's kind of my goal is like just get in the top five and you're you're gonna have a good time at this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this draft is gonna be super deep, but like you know, I don't want to look back and be like, oh wow, we won that game against the Sens, and now we're picking like seventh in this draft type of, of situation. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, until then, I, I right now I'm I'm enjoying the like Eric Carlson just be awesome um and then kind of waiting for the the prospects to pop up but um you know i i I think though with my kind of big question with the sends is you know like what what do you think is kind of next for them right do you i mean at some point you're gonna have to do something to change things up right Mm -hmm. i mean personally i would have made a coaching change before this road trip i think it's really tough when the team had its worst game of the season by far as the game immediately before this road trip and then you're going into this long four game stretch over a week long road trip with like really negative vibes you know the season is not going how they expected and there's a lot of questions surrounding the team and the coaching staff and then we follow up our worst game of the season with probably our second worst game of the season. I don't know if I could say whether or not it's worse than than that last game against the Devils. They're they're both uh, both pretty. The Devils bad. are a wagon right now. The Devils yeah. Are, yeah. I, maybe yeah. maybe because of that, I would say that this game is kind of worse, just because like the Devils are destroying everyone. Like they won again tonight. I keep thinking, oh, they'll they'll lose at some point. Like. Yeah, on a fluke no. goal or something but no they, they just keep going I, i'm so jealous of the devils this year but <laughs> but yeah like uh, this this road trip you know with the same coaching staff i'm just really worried that it's going to get depressing watching all these late night games and just having nothing to cheer for because we we really did not have much from a sense perspective here like I don't know at this point if a coaching change could really get them back into the playoff picture but at least like, you know, it feels like you have to do something. Like, you mentioned Bruce Boudreau with the Canucks last year. Even though that's not going so great right now, it's like, at least they made the change when they uh, when they needed to last year, and mm-hmm. it gave the fans something to cheer about. They they went on a bit of a run and got at least kind of close to the playoffs, and it was yep. an entertaining season from that point on. Whereas I'm very worried that if the Sens just aren't able to make any noticeable changes, that... It's just going to be like a a big slog of a season. So personally, I'd like to see a change in coaching staff, but there's a lot of questions, you know, up in the air with uh, with new ownership coming on that maybe they might just kind of want to keep the same guys around, you know, until then. I'm not really hoping hoping for that to be the results. But but yeah, I, I think a coaching change is in order at this point. Yeah, and, and you know they're, you're talking about the rest of this road trip. So they play the Vegas next week, and Vegas has been amazing yeah. this year. Another red hot um, team. Yeah, they're they're awesome this year. And, you know, Eichel's back to form. But I think the big one's the Ducks, right? The Ducks have oh. been poo poo platter bad on, on <laughs> Friday. Um, if you lose that one, I think that's where you got to be like, oh, you have to have a, a the organization needs to have a, a look in the mirror. Yeah, on like okay, that's like rock this, bottom. 
Yeah, if you lose to the Ducks, even though the Sharks lost to the Ducks uh, twice this year, but <laughs> I think that one, and then they they play the King. The Kings are, are pretty good as well, but um, I think that Ducks game, if they no show on that Ducks game, I think that's the one where you're gonna be like, okay, this we, you have to make. You can't. That's that's the point of no return losing yeah, to the Ducks. A bit of a breaking point. That that's the thing with this road trip too is kind of these two games specifically the Sharks and then the Ducks game. It's two teams that are right down at the bottom of the standings with you, except that they were both actually expected to be down there and you weren't. So even though from a standings perspective it looks like a toss up, it's from an expectations perspective, it's like mm-hmm. those are the two games that you really need to have on this road trip. Um, I can't remember if I said it on my last stream or not, but I was thinking like for me to have a positive outlook after this road trip, I want to see at least a split of two and two. Uh, but losing this game makes it very unlikely in my mind that it ends up being a split because how the hell is this team going to beat Vegas? And the Kings are pretty good too. So uh, hopefully we could get a win against the Ducks at this point. But I, like like you said, even the Ducks beat the Sharks twice. So who knows? Uh, to be fair, they did go to shootouts uh, for all those games. So, and Vancouver almost beat Vegas tonight. So we'll we'll go with that. So uh, at least there's some silver lining there. But yeah, a little you know, bit. a little bit. So you know, uh, yeah, and it's what I know. Norris, he has a it's a shoulder injury, right? And it's a pretty long term, right? For him, uh, it's supposed to be what middle of the season or kind of at some time for him. Yeah, he he might be back around January. They were saying because he's not going to get surgery on it, which would have yeah, put rehab. him out longer. Yeah. And then Shabbat should be coming back, right? I think he's on the road trip. So maybe mm-hmm. there, having Shabbat back kind of puts all your defensemen back in kind of their natural order, hopefully there. So um, hopefully that that's, hopefully that's, I'm trying to be hopefully, positive. Hopefully, yeah, I, I appreciate, positive. I appreciate the positivity. Yes. yes. So, um, you know, and then who knows? I mean, you keep hearing all the Eric Carlson trade rumors back to, uh, I, I don't, I'm going to just say that like, Eric Carlson's more likely to win the Norris this year and to get traded. There's just there's too yeah. many hurdles for him to be traded this year. Um, but I mean, it's it's a fun topic to talk about. Eric Carlson returning home to Ottawa. Yeah, I definitely wanted to get into that. How would you feel about like I know you just said it might be a difficult thing to pull off, but if the Sharks did manage to do it, how would you feel about the decision to move Carlson this year? I get it. Um, I, I I've come out pretty strong. I'm. I'm I don't think you should trade Eric Carlson. Uh, well, I, one, I don't think you can trade Eric Carlson. And as well as he's playing this year, you know, he hit the 30 point mark already this season. We're 21 games into the season. He's already got 30 points this year, which is just absolutely bonkers, Insane. right? And, um, you know, I, I just don't see a team kind of mortgaging the next four years of that contract based on kind of six weeks of play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not like, that contract is just going to go anywhere. And I know the cap's going to start to go up here soon and stuff, but like $11.5 million. And even if the Sharks were to eat part of it, it's still a, a pretty big contract that you're going to have to try to move. And the big thing too is it doesn't matter. Like the Sens could be like, hey, you, you guys want out our next three lottery, you know, drafts worth of picks. And if Eric Carlson's just like, I don't want to do that, then it doesn't matter. Right. Cause with the no movement clause. So mm-hmm. um, I think though for Sharks fans, like, we've waited a long time for a healthy Eric Carlson and with Brent Burns going out of town, like we've kind of seen Carlson take the reins and, you know, be the defenseman that you're paying an 11 and a half million dollars for. And I think we as Sharks fans should probably enjoy this because it's probably going to be one of the few things to enjoy this season as this, you know, as they're probably heading towards a, you know, top five, top 10 pick in the draft. But 
trading him, I mean, if you're Mike Greer and someone wants to trade him, I think you have to try to explore that option because the Sharks aren't going to be competitive and getting $11.5 million or, you know, whatever you can get off the books for Carlson can free you to do something else, you know, can, can kind of really kickstart the rebuild. But the problem is they don't really have a, a defenseman to kind of take his place, right? We talked about with, with Shabbat where like having Shabbat back, it's going to kind of put everybody back in their natural pecking order for the defenseman. With the Sharks, you have Ryan Merkley, who's been okay in the AHL. But other than that, you don't really have like a offensive puck moving defenseman who can kind of come in and take, you know, be 50% of Eric Carlson or whatever. So, um, again, I, I just I don't see it happening. But if they were to try to trade it, I think then you it's basically full rebuild. You're going to trade Timo Meyer. You're going to trade basically anybody you can get um and then rebuild around William Eklund and a top five pick in this year's draft and Thomas Bortolo and Tomas Hurdle who's going to be here until the sun explodes so <laughs> yeah that's the thing as well if you decide to move Carlson you got to move like everyone else everybody point, else right? is gone yeah. even though even though Thomas Hurdle just signed that giant extension do you think he would be on the chopping block too he's the only one safe uh general manager Mike Greer came out and said, uh, everybody else is available. Um, that doesn't mean the asking price is reasonable, but everybody else is available, um, except for Tomas Hurdle. Um, he's the only one safe. So, you know, just signed his, his new eight by 8.125, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I think Timo Meyer would be the big, the interesting one because he has, he's on the last year of his contract and he's got his RFA deal where they can, mm. you know, like a $10 million qualifying. It's yeah. really confusing, but um, he's pretty good at hockey. And uh, like, I, he's still young enough where I think he could be part of this next core for the sharks. Um, even if you pay him, you know, eight by nine and a half or I'm just kind of going off the Matt Barzell deal. He could still be a, a very good piece through that entire contract or at least through, you know, five years of that contract. And then you hope by then that they, the salary caps kind of figured itself out, but yeah. Um, everybody else. Yeah. We're, come make an offer, please. <laughs> yeah. One thing I was thinking about in terms of a potential Carlson trade is that no move clause, because I seem to remember a quote. I think it might've been before last year, or maybe it was before this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was some kind of quote where Carlson said something like, I didn't sign here for a rebuild or something along the lines of that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, he really wants to stay for the next four years like what and another thing i wanted to say uh before you answer that is uh if he were to return to ottawa like does he want to play like he sees how the sends are going right now does he really want to come back the way the way we're going like maybe it would be better to just stay in san jose that's that's my opinion but yeah what do you think about that yeah i mean if I think if he were to waive his no trade clause, I mean, I think Ottawa, Ottawa's definitely home, right? You, you had that piece about, you know, Alfie a couple, you know, last week or whatever, when, when, um, when Alfred Singh retired or was put in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Ottawa's definitely home to him. And I think he sells a house there and everything. Um, so I think that would be the one, one where he would move, you know, waive it. But it seems like he's really happy in San Jose. Um, you know, especially I know he, he's had some injury history and I don't think he's ever going to be kind of beloved in San Jose. Cause a lot of, a lot of sharks fans kind of look to him as the start of the downfall of the sharks, you know, mm-hmm. signing that contract and stuff, but he seems really happy. He's putting up, you know, a potential career year right now um, for him. I think he's on pace for like a hundred points or some ridiculous number right now. It's um, just insane. Right. Um, 
but I guess 120, right? If we did the math anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah two more points today just <laughs> added to it. So, yeah. So he, he's on pace to, you know, have a, a career year and he seems really happy. His, his family seems really happy. It seems like they've kind of really found their niche. And I think too, he kind of made some comments about just like how COVID really kind of bothered him and stuff. And I think with mm. things kind of getting back to normal, you know, he got to go home to Sweden this off season and has spent, got to spend training in, in the Bay. And I think he's really kind of found his niche and, you know, his, his family seems really happy. So, um, you know, he said he's, he's not had any conversations with my career about waving his no trade clause. And, you know, he's wants to be here and, and contribute to this team right now. So um, I think you got to take him at his word right now until he comes out and says, I'm you know ready to move on. And we kind of saw this with Brent Burns at the end of last year where Brent Burns was like, I mean, Brent Burns is definitely a little bit older, but was like, you know, I, I don't see myself winning a cup here. It might be time to move on. And then my career kind of worked on the, uh, that trade for him uh, where he waived his no three no three team no trade clause sorry uh to go to the to the hurricanes and you know look at him now brent burns is having a pretty awesome season with the canes mm-hmm. and but i eric carlson's having i think a better season with the sharks right now yeah slightly better <laughs> slightly better so but i mean uh brent burns is winning a lot more games right now so mm-hmm. yeah so overall you would like to see carlson stay but it- i mean i love i've been a carlson defender since day one like mm-hmm. i love eric carlson and uh i probably talk about him too much on my podcast about how much yeah. i love eric carlson but again there's not much else to, to to root for for the sharks right now so yeah i i have to say though it must be really tempting for mike greer to sort of leverage this amazing season that uh, carlson is having and just to see what offers he can get you know like you have to look into it um as sort of a last question here, I'm wondering if they did trade Carlson, like what kind of a return would kind of what what kind of return would you like to see where you would say, OK, I understand why they traded him, you know, just roughly in terms of sort of like trade value. I, I don't know. I mean, that's going to be the tough part, because I think the contract is going to be so weird. I mean, we saw Brent Burns kind of got traded sharks ate i think a third of the contract and they got a third round pick uh a prospect and steven lorenz who's mm-hmm. a fourth line nhl player yeah Pretty i think you can return. probably get a, a little bit more for for carlson i think the big thing is how much of the contract would the sharks be willing to eat if the sharks eat like half of it i think you're getting at least a first round plus right mm-hmm. um for him but it's going to be tough because i like i honestly have no idea what type of return you would get just because of the variables of how much the contract the sharks are going to eat and it might be one of those like three team trades where like one team is going to, have to eat some contract just to get like continue to kind of retain um type of situation but then again who's going to want to have you know a couple million dollars on their con their their books for the next four years type of situation so um i think though the big thing is how much can you get off like how much of the percentage of the contract can you get off? If you can get off the whole thing, I think the return is kind of minimal um, mm-hmm. just because you're, you're, it's more of almost a salary dump. Um, but if you eat a, a good chunk of it, then you're probably looking at, you know, a first round pick plus. Yeah, I agree. I think it totally hinges on uh, the money involved. If if you could bring a third team in and get a salary like way down, you're probably getting a pretty <laughs> coyotes, good Coyotes, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> hit up the Coyotes for sure. Um yes. Yeah. A tough <laughs> night for the Sens tonight. I think uh, that's where we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, not a great season going on for the Sharks so far, but at least you have uh, Eric Carlson's wonderful season to celebrate. Uh, before we head off, uh, did you want to 
plug your podcast or let uh, people know where they can find you? Yes, uh, of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at my Fryhole, uh, where I usually post a bunch of dumb jokes and talk about how great Eric Carlson is. And then you can listen to Locked on Sharks uh, wherever you get podcasts and watch on YouTube uh, five days a week. So Monday through Friday, got you covered. Um, have an Aaron Dell interview coming up this week as a nice surprise. Get, uh, so um, yeah, go check out Locked on Sharks. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was a great time. And that'll be all for Game Over Ottawa tonight, everyone. Leave a like if you enjoyed and remember to subscribe to SDPN. Have a good night, everyone. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.